Well, it's great to see you all. We're starting a brand new series today on Emmanuel, which is God with us. God is with us. He's Emmanuel. It's a name of God. And throughout this entire year, we've been unpacking his different names and who he is. And so this entire month, we'll be looking at the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. I think consistently throughout my preaching career, which is a whole whopping seven years, and then pretty much everyone else that I've heard, when you talk about Emmanuel, you always wait for Christmas. Emmanuel is wait for Christmas, and it's always spelled with an E, because in the New Testament, they were trans translating Greek into English, and you spell Emmanuel with an E. Well, in the Old Testament, you're translating Hebrew into English, which you actually use an I. It's the same word. Don't get confused in that. It's the same exact word. But you think of Emmanuel as Jesus coming from heaven to earth and being born in a manger and the three wise men, and that's when you use the word Emmanuel, God with us. I've used it every single Christmas at City Church, except for one year, and that was a mistake. I wish I could have that year back. God with us. Jesus came from heaven to earth to be with us. And so sometimes when you think of Emmanuel, you just think of the Emmanuel of the New Testament. You have an Old Testament and you have a New Testament Bible. Or it's all in the same Bible, but they're, they're different books that are combined to one Bible. And so when you think of Emmanuel, you wait for the New Testament when Jesus hits the scene and he's born in flesh and blood like us. He's just like us. He's God in the flesh. And so you have this New Testament, and you think of Emmanuel then. And you forget that God was with people in the Old Testament also. That he's always been with people. The entire book is a book of God being with people that do amazing, radical things in steps of faith and obedience. That's what the entire book is, is based out of. That God's always been with people. He's never forgotten people. And so he's Emmanuel this morning. He is with us. Every single one of us in this room, God has not forgotten us. He knows us by name. He knows the hairs on our head. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He's Emmanuel. God with us. So today we're going to be looking at the lens this word, Emmanuel, God's name, through a lens of the lens of Moses' life. We're going to discover how God was with Moses in the Old Testament every day of his life. That God called Moses. He had plans for his life. And we're going to be starting with kind of unfamiliar territory with Moses because when you think of Moses, there's so much to unpack in Moses in a month. I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not that good. But we're going to start with Moses' birth. All the things that came out of Moses' birth. It's been my experience that a lot of people actually run everything through a filter of their birth the way their parents brought them up or didn't bring them up, the things that happened to us when we were kids or didn't happen to us as kids. Everything's ran through this filter of our birth and our upbringing. 
And so we're going to look at how God was with Moses from the very get-go. From the very day that Moses was born, how God saved Moses' life and was always with us. I grew up in a uh, very loving home with a, with a mom and dad who truly loved Jesus. I mean, they, they really do. They, they love Jesus so much. My mom um, is one of those people, like still today, if I called my mom right now, which I was thinking about doing, but they got church. Um, <laughs> they're pastors over in Kelowna, Illinois. But if I called my mom right now, she would say, Jesus loves you? <laughs> so my entire life was like being told that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. It wasn't very cool as a teenager when you have girls calling the house. Neil, your mom just said Jesus loves you? Like, what does that mean? I don't, so my dad was a, a big time hippie, this Jesus Revolution movie, which I haven't seen yet. I'm really excited to go see it. But this is my parents. Like, they were such hippies. My dad's favorite phrase is, God turned a pothead into a pastor. Like, that's, that's what he uses at all times. This is my upbringing. And uh, my mom has never had a bad day in her life. I mean, the, the smile never goes away. She is always joyful. She's just filled with the joy of the Lord. Like, she's, she's that, that lady. Jesus loves you. Just, like, so joyful, always wants to hug you and, you know. And so if, if you could throw the picture up here, this is me growing up. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? And growing up, what I heard all the time was, you are so handsome. And it was mainly from my mom. And... <laughs> And I choose to believe that majority of my life, you know, until people told me otherwise. You know, you're, you know, when you're in junior high, it's rough, man. But you were so handsome. And then I started asking my mom about this because she said that people would stop her and say, your son is so handsome. He's such a good looking son. And I'm like, I've heard this my entire life. So in my upbringing, this is what I've heard is that I'm a handsome guy. That's great. You know, that's really nice. And then come to find out that my mom was pushing me around in a stroller in this suit all the time, <laughs> trying to get more suntan on my face because I tan up real nice. And so she's having these people say, your son is so handsome. Well, yeah, you're dressing him up at a five-year-old in a suit, pushing him around the stroller in the trailer park. Of course, of course people think I'm handsome. Like, what else are they going to say? Let's just please this lady and make sure she's okay with, hey, your son is really handsome. He's a great-looking kid. <laughs> So this is my upbringing. This is something that, you know, has been rooted in my life. Just your handsome kid. And I love it because the, the story of Moses is actually the same. Moses grew up as, as a handsome boy. And God called him from that. He used that. He, he purposely used that in Moses' life. We're going to be looking at this. Let's look to Exodus 2. If you guys got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And then we're going to look at how Moses 
this handsome boy, God totally used his life and he was with them his entire life. Would you guys just pray with me? Let's just pray. And the one thing I want to pray is this, is that the Lord would open our eyes and our hearts this morning. That we truly see and hear from him. And so, Lord, we just invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you just open our eyes and our hearts? Every single one of us in this place, would, would we truly hear the words that you brought us in the door with? <laughs> you're loved. You're accepted. You, you have purpose. Lord, would we hear from you? Who cares what the chaos of this world tells us, Lord? We need your voice. And so, Lord, I just remove any filters right now from this message, any past filters that any of us walked in the door with, would we just be able to remove those in Jesus' name right now? They would just be gone. And we'd truly hear you, a God that's with us. Anything that tells us differently, I just rebuke that in Jesus' name right now. That you're Emmanuel. It's who you are. It is your name. And so would you speak directly to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're looking at Exodus 2, 1. It says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that the child was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So this word fine actually means beautiful. It means good looking. It means handsome. When she saw that the baby was really beautiful and handsome, she saved him. For three months. It was the order of Pharaoh at this time that when you have a child, you have to throw it in the river. But this mom said, I'm not doing that. This is Moses' life. But when she could no longer hide him, she got papyrus bas a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. So she made a little basket for this fine, handsome child, Moses, and created a new way of thinking that was very crafty. I'll throw my child in the river in a basket. And so she has this new way of thinking, but he's already three months old, so Moses is getting a little bit bigger. He's probably getting a lot louder, and she doesn't know what to do in this situation. She can't be caught with him. She has to give him up. And so she makes this basket to float him down the river. So as the basket's being floated down the river, verse 4 says, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. Pharaoh's daughter, the same one that made this proclamation, this declaration that you must get rid of your children. His daughter goes down to the river to bathe, and her attendant was walking along the riverbank. And she saw this basket along the reeds and sent her female slave to go get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of those Hebrew babies, she said. So you have this beautiful story of preserving Moses' life. He starts his life off pretty rough in a very tough time. 
but God preserves his life in this. He gives his mom the idea of putting him in a basket to float him down the river. And then you have Pharaoh's daughter coming out there and sees this basket and she instantly falls in love with the little baby in the blue suit coat. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? So she's watching this whole story unfold in front of her. And she says, you want me to go get somebody else to nurse the baby for you? You're obviously very busy. So let's go ahead and get someone else to nurse the baby for you. Which was really common in those days because you didn't really have time to be nursing babies. So you'd actually find somebody else to nurse the baby for you. So she says, yes. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Then the child grew up, and she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I want you to stick with this line right here. I drew him from the water. His name is Moses, and the name Moses means to draw from the water. Do you just sense like Emmanuel and all of this? Do you sense his presence even right now? I drew him from the water. I saved his life. What an awesome story. The sister follows Moses floating down the Nile. And then Pharaoh's daughter comes out to bathe, and then the sister says, you really like this baby? I could actually take him and nurse him for you. You could still have a son and enjoy him, but I'll take care of all these other times that are really rough. Nursing a baby and up, you know, bringing up a child till they're four or five. And so the sister takes Moses and tells her mom and says, let's go get Moses. And so she brings him back home. And during this time, it was really common for the Israelites, even though they are enslaved to the Egyptians at this time, it was really common for the Israelites to tell their children. They would say this to the children's ears, Jehovah is God. And they would sing that over their children. Jehovah is God. They would sing that in the child's ear. So here's Moses. The mom has to trust Moses to go down the Nile. And God rescues Moses and brings him back to be trained up in the way that he should go. Jehovah is God. I don't know about you guys, but my mom would sing Jesus loves the little children. You want to sing it? All the children of the world, including me. Jesus loves us. And so she would whisper that in my ear. And I, you know, I started to believe it. Started to believe that God's actually with me and he loves me and he accepts me. So Moses has this amazing encounter with the Lord that I am with you from day one. 
And then they name him Moses, which means to be drawn from the water. So his entire life is this purpose of, I've drew you from the water, Moses. I'm always with you. You're going to remember this for the rest of your life. So Moses' filter is, God is always with me. He drew me from the water. What a great filter. What a great upbringing to have, isn't it? But for the rest of Moses' life, he lives out this water identity. He lives out the water identity. God drew him from the water. His name is water. Water is a high priority in the desert. <laughs> we don't really have that problem here, but water is a high priority in the desert. Moses is put into the Nile River, and then he's taken out of the Nile River. Moses, later on in life, turns the Nile River into blood. The whole river he turns into blood. Moses turns the Nile into blood when he's freeing the, freeing the Israelites. Moses parts the Red Sea later on in life. How many of you know that? That's why we have this whole like theme here is because Moses parts the Red Sea. He actually holds out his arms in the water parts. Has anybody else in the room done that? His whole life is based around water. The Red Sea is actually fed by the Nile. So his entire life is based around this story of his upbringing, this filter that God is with you, and I'll even part the Red Sea for you. Moses takes the Israelites out into the desert, and they're complaining about not having any water. So what does he do? He takes his staff and hits a rock two times, and boom, comes a bunch of water. See, it's like Moses lived the rest of his days on this earth from this identity of God is going to be with you always. What's your water story? What's your water story today? I got a great water story for you this morning. My man Austin's going to come and share his story. And this is just, just a beautiful story of what God does. You know, how he's always with us, how he repurposes our life. And so uh, would you go ahead and put your hands together? Let's bring Austin up here. Thanks, Neil. That's a little loud. Um, I appreciate you giving the opportunity to um, give you a little summarize of my testimony. Um, are the pictures going to be up or no? Oh, okay. So well, there's going to be some pictures, but I guess there's not. So we'll, we'll, we'll bypass that. Um, so just to let you know a little bit about, my, about myself, I was raised in uh, the Quad Cities since I was six. Uh, parents were divorced. Um, one common theme I always had in my life, though, is I always attended church as a kid. And um, I have two beautiful daughters that are uh, going to be 20 this uh, month, one at 16, and a beautiful wife going on 16 years. So I live with three females. God's given me a lot of patience. And that's my testimony. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. The only reason why I said that is because my kids are in the um, The second service doesn't get that joke. So... Okay, so 
how am I gonna, I haven't shared this story in front of a big group of people in a long time. Usually it's just a one-on-one -on -one, um, conversation I might have on the basketball court, and I think that's where Neil probably heard this. Um, <clears throat> so when I was born, I was born in a small town, Grundy Center, Iowa, and this is back in May 2nd, 1980. Um, when I was born, the doctors knew something was wrong with me. They were like, this um, kid is very yellow, also known as jaundice. So my parents are like, well, let's see what's going on. They take me to Iowa City, and back in the 80s, early 80s, Iowa City, of course, was uh, not as prestigious as they are today. And they did a self-exploratory, and they said, well, your son has biliary atresia, which also means I was born without my main bile duct. So they were saying, this, this, this kid's got six months to live. Just take him home, enjoy him. My parents were married at the time, uh, very church-going, uh, prayers. They didn't give up. God is, was always in our lives. Um, so then we ended up going to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Mayo Clinic said, well, here's the deal. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty grim. Uh, there's only one place in the United States at the time that was doing liver transplants. I needed a liver. And so they, uh, and that was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, by a guy named Dr. Thomas Starzl. And you can look him up. He's got great books. Here's the crazy thing is, too. They, don't tell me this isn't a God week. Dr. Thomas Star Starzl, who start, is the pioneer of liver transplants, is also from Lamar's, Iowa. Pretty cool. All right. So... So uh, going on through the story, uh, so I get on the waiting list for uh, Minnesota kind of take, uh, Mayo Clinic takes care of me as a kid. Uh, I get on the donor list, and um, three years has passed. Um, you got the bio bag, all that going on, and they say, awesome, we got a donor for you. It's a little 22-month-old. I'm not going to go into circumstances or what happened, but little 22-month-old Tyrone Hickman was his name. I just feel like I have to say his name because I'm here because of him, uh, part of him, and in God, of course. But um, he's a perfect match for you. So I had to get a charter plane out to Pittsburgh. Um, this 22-month-old baby, um, uh, my surgeon even had to go because of some circumstances, had to go in front of a judge to even get the liver. So that in itself back in 84, that's when I had my transplant, January 19th, 1984, they um, had to get a permission from the state to get the liver to go to Pittsburgh. So everything went, uh, I was the third, I was the second person of three um, that received the liver that day. So just imagine Dr. Starzl, I mean, my, my, my transplant took 11 hours. He did three that day. I was the second one. Um, so we're going to fast forward real quick. Everything went well. I was, well, I was one out of 11. One out of 11 that survived that transplant uh, back then. Um, I want to read something to you for you real quick. One of my favorite passages out of the Bible is in Isaiah 44, uh, verse 2. And this is... I believe, if you can uh, just fathom how big of a God we serve, I, I hate putting God in a box, but uh, Isaiah 44, verse 2, I am your creator, you are in my care even before you were born. God knows your story. He knew my story. 
Not every circumstances, not every story works out the way you want it to. But the cool thing is, is let him write your story. Don't try to write your own story because when you do that, that's when you mess up. And I've, we all do that. We all struggle with that. So anyways, going from the transplant was a success. It doesn't even stop there yet. So you're on anti-rejection medications, which causes a lot of different things. I was in and out of hospital two times a year at least, cyclosporin and prednisone. Uh, I was on that for 13 years, and finally I, I called my, I, I always had a really close relationship with my surgeon. Um, and so I said to him, I said, Dr. Starzl, I called him up, I had a cell phone number. I said, hey, I need to get off this medicine. Can we, can we try to wing myself off? Because I'm tired of getting sick, you know. Chicken pox arose, I had to get vaccinations, so I didn't get it. He said, yeah, sure, sure, let's try it. So every, every little dose that we would, um, we would wing it, uh, it, it was successful in, in, because of God. And, and this is crazy. So I got my bone marrow reproduce my donor cells and my cells. I got two different DNAs. Uh, they call it chimerism. So my cells will go to my liver, my donor cells, and my cells know to stay away. So the reason why I share this story with everyone is one common denominator in my life has been church. Uh, even though my upbringing sometimes has been a roller coaster ride, like everyone else, I'm sure, has great testimonies. And, um, but I will say that God has given me a great family. He's also cured me of cancer. And he has also broke my chains of addiction. I, I had an addiction problem as well. Um, so saying that to whatever, whatever storm you might be going through or circumstances that might not seem fair in life, um, know that God is right by your side. He always says, all you have to do is tap into it. Even if it's your sunny days and everything is going great, praise him always. Cause the more you praise him, the more you will be blessed. And it's crazy because I had, I'm going to end with this and then give it back to Neil here. I had a buddy of mine who I grew up in high school, uh, just passed away uh, January 1st of this year. He was 41, uh, stroke, perfect health, worked for the PGA, golf. And I was thinking about how am I going to close this? I, I didn't rehearse any of this, but in my head. So um, I'm just kind of winging this. But I was on Facebook and his mother um, put this on there, and this is, she doesn't know, she, they live in uh, Milwaukee, so she doesn't know we're studying Moses. So this is so cool. So, and I'm going to end with this. So remember, anything that you're going through, God, and this is by, uh, I'm going to give it, Vernon Gresson, that's uh, a quote that he put, God didn't remove the Red Sea, he parted it. Sometimes God doesn't remove your problems, he makes a way through them. So I think that's really powerful and cool, and I appreciate uh, your time. Well, thank you. So I've heard Austin share that story, the story that you just heard this morning, in more detail, like at the YMCA, sitting on benches with people in between games than, than anything else. Like, that's his water story. You know, how God just prepared a way and was always with him and made this whole entire way and, like, what it's done in his life. And he, he goes back to that. And everyone that hears it always goes back to the conclusion of, 
Well, that's really cool. Like, God's really, you know, how do you, how do you argue with that? I think one of the main words that, that a lot of us use in those types of stories is like coincidence. And like, I've actually taken that word off of my vocabulary. It's not in my dictionary anymore because coincidence kind of takes God out of the, the equation. And so each one of us have a water story that, that we've been, you know, that the Lord's brought us through. Maybe yours is happening right now. You're in the middle of it. It's not a coincidence you showed up this morning. This is what God's doing. You know, he's going to make a way. It's not a coincidence where she gives you a Moses quote. Nobody orchestrated all this behind the scenes. This is the Lord. So I just want to invite you this morning. Um, he's Emmanuel. He's with you. You know, no matter what you walked in with, God is with us. He is with you. He knows. And he's preparing a way. He's making a way in the middle of everything going on. The Lord knows you. He knows us. Share your water story. What God's done with, with the Lord as the highlight. Pointing God has just been really good to me. Like, look at what he's done in my life. 